us. Father, we thank you that we can gather. And Lord, as we look to your word now, we ask that by your spirit, you would truly accomplish your purposes, that your will would be done in our minds and in our hearts, and that we as your people, Lord, would have a desire, a hunger for Jesus in a way that we um, didn't yesterday, and that as we continue to seek you and live for you, that our hunger and thirst for you would be all the more strong, and that we would truly desire to live lives worthy of the gospel of Jesus. So do this now. Give me clarity as I speak and teach your word. Give us understanding. And I pray, Lord, that in our midst this evening, Jesus would be glorified and that our hearts would be encouraged, exhorted, and strengthened. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. One of the things that have... Uh, really stood out, I think, as we've gone through the Beatitudes thus far, is um, just how different Jesus expects his followers to live in comparison to the rest of the world. Disciples of Jesus are to be vastly different from the world. We've seen that in the first two Beatitudes. Um, those who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, those are not uh, virtues or characteristics of of a worldly people, but we, we really especially saw it last week with, with the idea of meekness. And it's also true um, for this fourth beatitude, which we're looking at today in verse six, where Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now we can see just how countercultural this is. Um, if we ask, what is it that the world hungers and thirsts after, what would be some of those things that you would say that the world hungers and thirsts after? Just throw out any ideas of what the world hungers and thirsts after. Status. Sorry? Status. Status, yeah. I was going to say prestige. Yeah, status, Money. prestige, reputation. Yeah. Money. Money, yeah. Self-fulfillment. Self-fulfillment. Control. Control, yeah, yeah. What else? Wealth, reputation, self-fulfillment, control. Comfort. Comfort, security and comfort, I think, is probably what Westerners um, pursue more than anything else. Um, power, right? Um, pleasure. Um, happiness, vainglory. The list could go on, right, for... For all the things that um, the, the system of our world, the, the fallenness of man, pursues. And let's just say that being and living righteously isn't at the forefront of the world. It's not one of those things that the world hungers or thirsts after. But for followers of Jesus, this is one of the defining marks of a true follower. A true follower of Jesus doesn't pretend to be perfect but a true follower of Jesus hungers and thirsts for righteousness. He yearns or she yearns to be a, a woman of righteousness. He yearns to be a man of righteousness. He, he longs for the day where sin no longer has any power over him. He longs for the day when all his desires are in perfect conformity to Christ's will. This is radically different than the way the world thinks 
and Acts. Now, um, for today's message, I have six points in a 20-minute sermon. Um, so um, just realize that I'm going to be touching on these six points very quickly. Um, so we're going to go briefly through them, and I hope that it would help us to think and understand this beatitude a little bit more. The first thing we need to see is this. Um, the righteousness that Jesus speaks of here is not the righteousness of justification, but the righteousness of sanctification. Okay, the righteousness that Jesus speaks of here is not the righteousness of justification, but the righteousness of sanctification. There are different kinds of righteousness according to the scriptures. When you repented of your sins and believed upon Jesus for your salvation, you were justified. That is, you were declared or made right before God. Imputed to you was the righteousness of Christ. He took your sin and he gave you his righteousness. This is what we could call a positional righteousness. Um, the reformers referred to this as an alien righteousness or a, a foreign righteousness. It's not your own righteousness, but it's a righteousness from God given to you by God. Um, Paul, Paul makes alludes to this in Philippians 3, 8 to 9, where he, he's talking about his former way of life. And he's saying, I consider all of that to be dumb in comparison to knowing Jesus Christ. And he says this, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And then he says this, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. And then he says this, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So, so we, when we repented, believed, we were justified, we were given the righteousness of God, this alien righteousness that has nothing to do with you or I. Now, as glorious as that truth is, that's not what Jesus is referring to here. He's speaking here in Matthew 5 about kingdom ethics, what, what it means to live as a disciple in his kingdom, how, it, how a citizen of his kingdom is to live and be. He's referring here to the righteousness of sanctification. Now, just really quickly, um, how, how would you, in, in the simplest way, define sanctification? Any thoughts? So we know justification is our standing before God, but how would we define sanctification? The process of um, the process of Christ's life being worked out in our life. Like sanctification is is a process. It's a it's a becoming. Yes. Like him. Yeah. I think that's a great a great definition of what you said. It, it's a process of Christ. What was it? Christ's life. Life. Worked out. Worked out in my life. It, I, I link it to what it says in Philippians. For by grace are you saved through faith. And then it says, work out your salvation right. with fear and trembling. So right. sanctification is that working out. Right, yeah. Yeah, so so in the New Testament, there's actually two ideas to sanctification. There, there is a positional sanctification, right? We were sanctified in Christ. That's made holy in Christ. But there's also this sanctification by process in which we are being conformed into the image and likeness of Christ. In other words, we're, we're seeking to live 
out what we've become in Jesus, right? So um, it's, it's the righteousness of becoming more like Jesus in your character and person. It's the, the inner righteousness of the mind, uh, the heart, and the motives. So when, when Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, he's not saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justification. But rather, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for sanctification. So the righteousness Jesus is speaking of is the righteousness of sanctification, not justification. Secondly, hungering and thirsting for righteousness is evidence that you've been justified. Or, or you could say, hungering and thirsting for righteousness is evidence that you've truly been born again. Or to put it in a more simple way, it's only the justified who desire to be sanctified. You see, the New Testament teaches that when Christ saves a person, that person becomes a new creation and is given new desires that enable him to wage war against his old sinful desires. Um, in, in Galatians 5, 16 to 17, the Apostle Paul speaks about how as believers in Christ who have become new creatures in Christ, we, we now have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And there is this inner conflict now because we have the Holy Spirit. There's the desires of the flesh and there's the desires of the Spirit. And so he says this in verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, before you were saved, before I was saved... We did not have the desires of the Spirit. We only had the desires of the flesh. There was no conflict within us in regards to living for sin except our conscience. But now, through the Holy Spirit, there is this inner conflict that is at work in us. The, the, the desires of the Spirit that, that, have, that are now a reality within us because we have become saved and regenerate by the Holy Spirit and the desires of the flesh, they are fighting against each other. They are like two wild dogs going at each other. See, that's what the Christian life is all about. And, and, and what's, what's going on here is if that conflict is a reality in you, it's evidence that you have actually been justified. If there is no conflict... It's evidence that you haven't been justified. You see, if there's a hungering, a longing to be like Jesus, no matter how short you fall, it's a degree of evidence that Christ has saved you and made you a new creature by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. And so a simple question that all of us need to ask is this. Do I truly hunger and thirst for righteousness? Because hungering and thirsting for righteousness is evidence that you've actually been justified. Which means if you don't hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's very possible you've actually never been saved. Thirdly, it's not those who have obtained this righteousness that are blessed, but those who hunger and thirst for it. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who are full of righteousness. 
He doesn't say that. He says, blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty for it. See, here's the reality. No disciple of Jesus ever reaches a point in this life where he believes he has fully obtained this righteousness that Jesus speaks of here in Matthew 5, 6. The truly righteous long to become more righteous. You see, the self-righteous man or the self-righteous women, they are not favored or considered blessed by God because the self-righteous man does not hunger and thirst for righteousness. They think they've already fully obtained it. And you don't hunger nor thirst for what you have, only what you don't have. See, here's the paradox of the Christian life. The more righteous one truly becomes, the more one will hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will realize still how much they lack. Why? Because they are also the poor in spirit. They are also the ones who mourn. They are also the meek. The poor in spirit who are truly righteous long to be more righteous. Yeah. I, I've never met um, an older saint who said, I've reached the pinnacle of righteousness. <laughs> Rather, what I hear from older saints is, I've come so far, yet I still have so far to go. Especially when you understand that the righteousness you're pursuing in regards to your character is the very righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. So the blessed are those not who have obtained it, but who hunger and thirst for it. Fourthly, God isn't just concerned about your external conduct, but your internal desires. Notice Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who conduct themselves righteously. He doesn't say that. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. See, he's concerned not only about our conduct, but also the desires of our heart. He's concerned that our external conduct is an overflow of our desires. You see, to, to truly know who a person is, is to know what their heart yearns after. We, we can deceive others by our external conduct. But we cannot deceive God because he sees what's truly in the heart. He sees its yearnings, its appetites, its deepest desires. You see, if you solely try to evaluate your Christian life based upon your external conduct, then you don't understand the true nature of the Christian life. The gospel doesn't seek to merely change one's conduct but to transform the inner person so that one's conduct is a result from, of transformed desires. See, if you, if you go through a checklist of your self-examination of, well, I gave my money, I've been to church, I've confessed my sins, I've served the poor, and never once asked, has my heart been longing for it? Then you haven't examined yourself rightly. See, when was the last time you truly examined not just your conduct, but your inner desires? If someone were given access to the desires of your heart, would they see a heart that desires the things of Christ, 
Or would they only see the desires of this world? God isn't just concerned about your external conduct, but also your internal desires. Fifthly, to hunger and thirst for righteousness means you're growing in an increasing hatred towards sin. See, to hunger and thirst for one thing means your hunger and thirst for the opposite of that one thing should decrease. If your hunger and thirst for sobriety increases, so then your hunger and thirst for alcohol will decrease. If your hunger for purity increases, so your hunger for lust will decrease. Or if your love for purity increases, then your hatred towards lust should increase. So I think a simple question for us is this. Has your hatred for the sin in your life increased the longer you've been a Christian? See, to truly hunger and thirst for righteousness means you will have a deepening of hatred toward sin in your own life. Now, this doesn't mean, of course, that you never desire nor commit sin, but even when you do, you loathe the fact that you've given into those sinful, evil desires. See, is your hatred of sin increasing or decreasing? To hunger and thirst for righteousness means you're growing in an increasing hatred towards sin. Sixth, those who truly hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied with the very thing they hunger after. That's exactly what Jesus says when he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, this doesn't mean that in this life you'll never struggle with sin or even sin miserably. But it does mean that Jesus, by the Spirit of God, will truly sanctify those who thirst after righteousness. He will grant them growth in righteousness as they participate in the means by which he has established in order for them to grow in righteousness. See, Christ is committed to conforming into his image those who hunger and thirst to be made into his image. But we need to see also that this satisfying is also a future reality where we will experience eternal satisfaction. See, there's a coming day where we will be made perfectly righteous, where we will never again wrestle with sin. Never again to feel its luring temptations. Never again to be enticed by our evil hearts. We will, as the psalm says, as the song says, we will be saved to sin no more. And not only will we be made perfectly righteous, but we will also dwell in a world of righteousness. As 2 Peter 3.13 um, describes, But according to his promise, we are awaiting for a new heavens and a new earth, and he says this, in which righteousness dwells. What an incredible picture. The new heavens and new earth is a place in which righteousness dwells. See, a, a true disciple of Jesus hungers, thirsts for righteousness. Here's a here's a simple question for you. How much 
is righteousness worth to you? Would you be willing to give up all your comforts if it meant you could obtain it? Would I be willing? Would you be willing to give up all your wealth, your health, your security, if it meant you could obtain righteousness? Now, it's worth asking, not because we believe that's how we become righteous, but it should at least cause us to question, how much do I really long to be righteous? How much do I really desire to live a life that is righteous and pleasing before God? It's a question that we all need to truly ask. For Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for this short time that we could look at your word. And Father, I pray that for each of us, this beatitude would truly define us. That we would be a people who do not hunger for entertainment, who do not thirst after lust, who do not hunger for security and comfort and wealth and power and reputation, but that we would be a people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That we would truly seek and desire to be conformed into the very image of Jesus Christ. Help us in this, Lord, we pray in Christ's name.